Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. The following program is a PodcastOne.com production. He's a world champion wrestler, best-selling author, actor, and lead singer of Fozzie. Now, now he's rocking the podcast world. This, this, this is Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho. Starring Chris Jericho. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. I am Chris Jericho. This is the Pod of Thunder and Rock and Roll. Glad to have you with us again this week. Huge show. Chavo Guerrero, my old riding partner, one of the gang that I used to uh, hang with in WCW days and also into WWE, along with Dean Malenko, Eddie Guerrero, Chris Benoit, myself, Rey Mysterio. It was kind of our little club. And I'm so excited to have Chavo here. And believe me, we have a lot of deep thoughts, a lot of stuff to talk about over the next couple of shows. It's going to be massive. It's going to be huge. I'm very, very excited about it. And I know you will be too. Lots of uh, amazing, uh, introspective, emotional information. Uh, but Jack Hollicks, it's good to have you here. How the hell are you? Did you have a good week, huh? Did you have lots of fun? Good weekend, did you? Huh? Good weekend? I know uh, Super Bowl 48, which it took me a while to figure out exactly what the Roman numerals were. I was watching half the game thinking it was Super Bowl 58 until I realized that my Roman numeral skills are poor at best. So Super Bowl 48, and everybody's talking about it. 111 million people watching the show. Lots of controversial things going on. The game was pretty lame. Denver got destroyed. Oh, well, it's one of those things you feel so bad when there's like 20 minutes left of the game and they're losing by like 40 points and you just want it to end. You feel so bad. But of course, like for me, like I'm a marginal football fan. I watch the Super Bowl for the commercials and for the halftime show. Okay. So the commercials this year, like they're kind of lame for the most part. I did like the 80s uh, Radio Shack commercial. Which is pretty funny, like just Radio Shack. That does seem like so out of touch, very archaic. And I, I guess the word radio is one, but just Shack. It just sounds like so piss poor. I'm going to go to Radio Shack. I, they should have called it Radio Palace, Radio Emporium, Radio Regatta. That would have been nice. The Radio Regatta. Go down there and buy some batteries for your watch. But then they had this, eight, if, you, if you saw it, you know that they had like Hogan was in it and Sergeant Slaughter and... Uh, the California Raisins, Kid and Play. Always nice to see Kid and Play on my TV screen in 2014. That was cool. Jason, Chucky. So uh, it was a real kind of an 80s homage and also featuring Loverboy working for the weekend, which at this point has become kind of the ipso facto 
uh, anthem for the 80s. And I think it's because of, of one thing, the opening cowbell. Anytime you hear cowbell, you think party. Cowbell is like the mullet of musical instruments. It's business in front. It looks like very business-like, but party in the back. As soon as you hear that, that rules my very own cowbell. <laughs> they should have got Loverboy to play the uh, the halftime show. People would be going, why the hell are Loverboy playing? And then you'd hear the, and people would just go nuts. 90,000 people jumping up and down, freaking out. <laughs> so that was the winner of the commercial. I loved it. It was very, very cool. I also liked the Bud commercial uh, where the guy was unsuspectingly picked up and then he ended up playing table tennis with Arnold Schwarzenegger, who uh, was wearing Stuart Copeland short shorts and for some reason uh, a wig. I'm not exactly too sure why, and nor do I care. I loved it. It was great. But then the halftime show... Of Bruno Mars, which I think Bruno Mars is so rad. I think he's so good. And I made the comment on Twitter that uh, he is picking up and carrying the torch where Michael Jackson and James Brown left off. Started this huge controversy where people were like, he'll never be, he'll never be Michael Jackson. He'll never be James Brown. I didn't say that. There's only one James Brown. There's only one Michael Jackson. What I'm saying is he's carrying the torch and picking up the spirit of those guys. He's a singer, a dancer. When he started doing them James Brown shuffling moves, he's got kind of the Michael vibe to him. You can never replace those guys, but he's the closest thing we have in this day and age. And I think he made a lot of fans. Like, I like Bruno Mars, but actually seeing him perform with his band and, you know, he's got the guy on the trombone. I mean, damn, I mean, I mean I, when I was a kid, I started off by taking guitar lessons and then stopped that and took over uh, trombone. And people were laughing at me like, why did you, t-? And I don't know why I quit guitar lessons and started on trombone. It's not like there was a, a, a gaggle of chicks hanging around that were into brass instruments or something. I just, I don't know. I really don't know why I picked up the trombone and put down the guitar. I could have been the next Van- Eddie Van Halen. You never know. Instead, I picked up this, you know, so-called dead-end rock and roll instrument. But if had I continued that, I could have been in Bruno Mars's band. I could have played at the Super Bowl. But unfortunately, alas, I did not. But... I did enjoy Bruno Mars. I enjoyed the Chili Peppers, and then I found out that they didn't have their guitars plugged in. It's the big controversy right now that Flea's guitar, his bass guitar, was not plugged in. I didn't notice during the uh, show. I did uh, remember thinking, wow, these guys are really moving around and going nuts. And as a, as a player, it's hard to go nuts and move around and, and freak out um, and play the right notes. But if you're not plugged in, you don't have to worry about it. So maybe that's the reason why they're going so nuts. Maybe Bruno Mars's band actually played the guitar and the drums or guitar and the bass for the Peppers, and they were just unplugged so they could freak out. I know Anthony was singing and Chad Smith was playing drums, but unless they have some kind of weird like uh, remote control signal that allowed their instruments to be plugged in, they were not plugged in. But still, whatever. It was fun. I enjoyed it. It was it was a good uh, it was a good halftime experience. And maybe think about like what other halftime shows has there been? And there's been halftime shows ever since the 60s and 70s, but it's only been over the last 20 years or so that it's become a real big kind of a rock and roll band. Like who's going to do it? Some kind of a pop artist or rock band? Like if you go back to the 70s, uh, you know, you're, you're having like this university state bands and, you know, that sort of thing. 
and it kind of went all the way through the 80s. Like, you know, pick a year. Give me a year. 87. All right? The theme was a salute to Hollywood, and the performers were George Burns, Mickey Rooney, and the Grambling State University Marching Band. Can you imagine if they announced for 2015, Mickey Rooney is doing the halftime show. Mickey Rooney. It's like, I remember him as Bill, like playing the mentally handicapped guy, Bill. All right, so let's move forward to uh, 1989. It was a bebop bamboozled in 3D featuring Elvis Presto. Yes, Elvis Presto, who was a Elvis Presley imitator. And he did some Elvis tunes and then did an audience participation card trick. Sounds like something you see in the CFL halftime. This year's halftime show for the CFL had one guy on a skidoo jumping off ramps and then driving around to the other side and jumping off ramps again. So that's what the CFL can afford. But apparently in 89, the the NFL is doing card tricks. And I'm looking at this online as we go. Okay, 91, new kids on the block. And Warren Moon was in the halftime show. New Kids did Step-by-Step, uh, step, and this one's for the children, and ended up with It's a Small World After All. Yeah, vomit-inducing. And then suddenly in 93, finally Michael Jackson came and did, I remember, the super rad Super Bowl appearance. It was so good. I remember he started with Jam and Billie Jean, and he did Black or White, and they ended off with like all the children singing. It was it was like probably the best Super Bowl halftime show to this day, but also the first of having the real big band, you know. And then the next year they went to Rock and Country Sunday with Clint Back, Tanya Tucker, Travis Tritt, and the Judds. Like talk about a letdown. Michael Jackson to the Judds. How about '95 when Indiana Jones was in the Super Bowl halftime show? Yeah, exactly. Indiana Jones and the Temple of the Forbidden Eye. Patti LaBelle, Indiana Jones, and Marion Ravenwood. Who was booking this stuff? And then you had Diana Ross. That's okay. The Blues Brothers in 87? The Blues Brothers were the halftime show in 1987. Not the best call I've ever heard in my life. Like, nah, boys to men and Shaka Khan, Gloria Stefan, just basically kind of like cabaret performers. Enrique Iglesias. Yeah, Tina Turner. I mean, she's all right, but as a, you know. And then they finally listened to this one, The Kings of Rock and Pop. This kind of got a little bit. Remember when Aerosmith did it with Britney Spears and they're all singing Walk This Way at the end? That was cool. Except for Ben Stiller, Adam Sandler, and Chris Rock were in that one. See, it's very hodgepodge type of a thing. And then, of course, then you had U2, which was amazing. I remember that one. You know, then Shania Twain and Sting. Yeah, I guess they're kind of just trying to do different uh, different mashups. And then they had the famous wardrobe malfunction. I mean, at least at least you got to see Janet Jackson's tit that year. That's got to be worth something, right? And then it was McCartney and the Stones and Bruce Springsteen and Prince. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers in 08. Not really a Super Bowl-worthy band, in my opinion. Another strange one was The Who in 2010. Kind of an interesting choice, but I guess they're kind of going for the classic rock-type vibe. And then, of course, you had Black Eyed Peas. The coolest thing about that was Slash's studded top hat. Madonna, she was involved. I remember that one was pretty good. And then last year, Beyonce, she was lip-syncing like a mofo. Worst lip-syncing ever. But at least her guitar player was plugged in, unlike the Chili Peppers this year. But it was still very, very rocking.
So even though the Super Bowl was a stinker, I'm going to give it a big The actual game gets a But the halftime show gets a yay! All right, we got Chavo Guerrero coming up. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. In the studio right now, my brother, Putillo Falso. <laughs> Chavo Guerrero is here, man. It's good to see you. Hey, you too, man. Great being here and uh, seeing on a different venue with you. You know, it's not like a wrestling not I know, backstage. Man. Or, or, a, or a, a car or a van. Or yeah. We traveled together for many years. From probably I started in WCW in '96. That's when I started. And you had just started. Yeah, as well. I started like a week before you. Yeah, and yeah, it was yeah. funny because I remember uh, obviously I knew Eddie for years. Right. Eddie's was your uncle, but right, basically right. you guys were brothers, right, close, right. close to the same age. Three years difference. So yeah, three years we're, difference. Yeah. yeah, and I remember Eddie was always telling me about uh, about his nephew Chavo. So when he said nephew, like I just always would have this like you know vision of a little guy you know with a lollipop or something like that. My <laughs> nephew Chavo, and then I remember you were one of the first guys. Hey man, I'm Chavo. How you doing? I'm like oh, I like this guy already. Right yeah, yeah, because yeah. we were kind of in the same boat. Like, obviously, I knew Eddie for a while. I knew Chris right. Benoit for a while. Um, so those were the kind of the guys I gravitated to. And then yeah. you, obviously, being Eddie's family, right. also were together with Eddie and Chris. And then Dean was involved with Eddie and Chris. And I'd never met him, so I met him too. So that was kind of our gang. Yeah, you, me, yep. Eddie, Chris, and Dean. Yep. Couple other guys sometimes fit, fit being there, Regal, and the Regal, there, here and yeah, there. Yeah, you know, yeah, sure. When uh, when Oscar Mysterio, Mysterio came in, yeah. he was in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like the, the gang that we we had. Yeah. That was our club. Yeah. Hulk Hogan hang out with us all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. It was funny in WCW how it was, eh? Like it was, yeah. it was, um, yeah, real levels there. Oh, it was de- definitely the, the the hierarchy. You know, you there was the the top five guys or eight guys, whatever it was. And, you know, we would not, not even when we'd not work with them, we really wouldn't even talk to them. Yeah. Or even see them. Yeah. Yeah. And then there was the, the middle guys and, you know, then there was kind of us. So we kind of worked our ways up or mm-hmm. up, you know, but if you look back in WCW, I don't know if everybody would listen to our wrestling fans. We went from being the guys that the unsung heroes, you know, because at that time wrestling was changing and, you know the the, the the cruiserweights were coming in, and with difference of the style, definitely definitely changed, and we were definitely part of that style, and always wanting more. We were the, we were the hungry ones. We were the young lions, if you mm-hmm. want to call it, and we wanted, you know, to, that recognition. We wanted to get more. We wanted to be a bigger part of the company and work with these, you know, these all top guys, Savage and and the Nashes and the Halls and stuff. But they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't have nothing to do with us. I always kind of said it was like the Indian caste system, where wherever you came in right. is where you stayed. For sure. Because WCW wasn't based on – when you went to the WWE, you get paid on where you were on the show. You, your guarantee was what it was. But if you're working the main event, you get a bigger percentage right. of the check. Yeah. In WCW, it didn't matter where you were. You could be in the first match. You could be in the last match. And whatever you were making, what your salary was is what yeah. you got. No bonuses. Yeah, yeah. So we came in at a certain level, and we were always there. And like you said, I always felt that even though there was the big ratings war and Monday Night Wars, right. that while – 
WWE had the better main events. Yeah. Their undercard was crap. Absolutely. WCW had crappy main events, but yeah. the undercard was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. The undercard, that's, and that's the, what I get from the fans that, that remember back then that always talk to me and say, God, the cruiserweights, that's why we watched WCW. We watched them for you guys, mm-hmm, you know, for mm-hmm. the Rey Mysterios, the Eddie Guerrero's, the, the Chris Benoit's, the Chris Jericho's, the uh, Dean Malenko's. Right. You know? Yeah, exactly. It's like, I would take just as much credit as the NWO for, for why WCW was, was so big at Absolutely. the start. You yeah, know? for sure. But it was fun. So anyways, when, when I first came in, automatically was, was with all you guys. Right. And we used to travel. This is so funny to think about it. We'd go from town to town in a six-person or eight-person van. Yeah, and it was you, me, Chris, Eddie, and Dean. Yeah, and we and we've seen the best of each other, and we've seen the worst of each <laughs> yeah. other. Chris and I, we've known each other so long. We've roomed together, and we've we've loved each other and cried to each other, and we've hated each other too. You know, so everything been, in yeah. between. Yeah, yeah, it, was, yeah it was funny because, yeah. like you said, you, you get on each other's nerves. Like when you spend so much time together. I remember getting in a fight with Eddie in a Denny's yeah. because I just got mad at him. I just was, he was so, I can't remember if he was drunk or what, but he was complaining about uh, the, the steak isn't cooked properly. And then she brought it back. The steak is too cooked. Yeah, yeah I remember it. And there's like, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to eat it because she's spitting it. <laughs> I know she's spitting it. We're like, Eddie, she didn't spit in it. <laughs> and I said that to him and it was like, you know, we called him Eddie the giant yeah, yeah. when he drank. Oh, oh, you, oh you feeling froggy? Yeah, you feeling froggy? Why don't you jump? Why don't you, yeah. why don't you jump? <laughs> yeah. Why don't you jump? Yeah. And so I jumped and we ended up getting in a fight where I remember we were kind of rolling underneath people's chairs at the table at yeah. Denny's and, and you know like that's yeah. kind of the way it was at that time because yeah. we were together yeah. Yeah. always yeah you know I remember you and Eddie getting into huge fights yeah 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 for sure I mean how yeah. was that for you because I mean obviously you know Eddie is your uh you know he's basically brother. your brother, brother he's yeah. your brother sure but then you know, you're trying to make your way up the ladder and yeah. he's kind of at a certain level and he's trying yeah. to help you, but you guys yeah. both got such hot tempers. Yeah. You know what? It was, it was great and it, it was hard, but it was great. You know, we never, and this is the truth. Eddie and I never laid a hand on each other. Mm-hmm. You'd think that we did many times, but we didn't. <laughs> we were been in each other's face and it was just like, you touch first, you go first. No, you go first. You go. The, there was just too much love there. We never actually touched each other, but we'd be nose to nose saying, you know, F-bombs and, ah. Oh. <laughs> but then, you know, an hour later, we'd be hugging each other and say, hey, I love you, man. I'm sorry. Okay. It's just growing pains, you know. He but, was he's at his spot, and you know he's protecting his spot, and I'm at my spot. Trying, I'm hungry, trying to get to them. Yeah. And, you know, you think I think I know more than I do. You don't. He thinks you know. You start coming. It just you know growing. Pains. I remember that you used to have to wear a shirt that said uh, Uncle Eddie knows best or something. No, was no, it? okay, this is it. So we're at in Panama, <laughs> Panama City. I remember I just, Panama. I just told this story on a different interview. At Club La Vila where the nightclub, yeah. uh, we had a, a wrestling show at a nightclub where the ring was in the middle of the swimming pool. Yeah, yeah. And at so all day long we were just hanging out on the beach and like, you know, hanging out, drinking, yeah. whatever we're doing. Yeah. So by the time the show comes around you're already half nuts anyways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the best time, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. So, so one of the, I believe, remember Colin who's the English uh, photographer? Yes, for so, the magazine. Yeah, yeah. He came back and he went to some little rinky-dink store in in uh in panama city and came back like hey i got a good idea me and eddie were doing this storyline to where he was uh he's a bad guy and i was a good guy and we had a match and whoever won the person either had to you know he had to turn good and or i had to turn bad and yeah. of course he won and now he is like his slave or his minion i had or to do what he said yeah. and turn on people and be just just a bad guy yeah. you know and, and i rebelled against it and i was starting to go a little crazy and so colin shows up and goes hey i got this idea Here's a shirt, and it says, Eddie Guerrero is my favorite wrestler. 
And they say Eddie like made me wear it. It was like airbrushed, you know, yeah, total like it was so cheesy. It was just cheesy. Something you just got like a, you know, at the, just so some dude made at the it mall in, in, his, a, in his back of his car. Or something. Yeah, 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 totally. So uh, I was dead set against it. I was like, no way, I'm not doing it. I was still, you know, so young and didn't know, you know, <laughs> wrestling. I just thought it was like just a personal insult and you yeah. Know, you know, it's storyline now, you know, you, you know, if you look back, I've done a lot of other things <laughs> worse than that. But uh, then so I ended up wearing it. You know, I mean, I was mad when Eddie suggested to me I was throwing chairs in the back. I remember I, I was, I was we, he was yes. trying to explain you. But both of yes. us were like, yeah. dude, this is for your character. But yeah. you I think at this point it's once again, you're trying to make your right. way. Plus, maybe you and Eddie on each other's nerves. Sure. Plus, WCW was such a crazy yeah. place. Anyways, yeah, yeah, yeah. you were. I remember yeah. fl- you throwing chairs. Yeah, this I is pissed. stupid. I hate this stupid yeah. thing. I'm not wearing this. Yeah. Well, know? I did it. I did it yeah. anyways. I said, okay, let me go ahead and do it. And that shirt got over. You know how many people actually started making would, their own? They wanted those shirts. And, you know, of course, WCW didn't cash in on it. Yeah. I mean, they would have made a killing. Eddie Guerrero's my favorite wrestler. I mean, and you know, really, he, he really was one of my favorite wrestlers, <laughs> but it was just, you know, just like the, just being, you know, slice of humble pie, you know, Yes, it, it was just a, it was a good time. Right? You know, it's how, I mean, uh, there's a, how was it growing up in the Guerrero family? I mean, from, from the day you're born, you're basically destined to be a wrestler. Bro, growing up in the Guerrero family was like, unlike any other man. Not only did we have a wrestling ring in the backyard, you know, we learned to walk in a ring. We crawled in a ring, you know. Me and Eddie would take off the top rope so that the second rope was our was our top rope because we were small, you know. And we were yeah. jumping off the top, our second rope, which is the top rope to us, and uh, just you know that was great. But it's always like it was like a like a pay per view. Every holiday was like a pay per view. You had the you had your opening match, your opening fight, you know. You had your <laughs> oh, like at, at Christmas dinner oh, or something. Yeah, for sure. Thanksgiving. Mondo was, versus Hector. Or yeah, something. yeah. Then you had your mid card, and then you had your main <laughs> event. You know, my dad against some of my grandma going off, and so you know it was. Was your we, grandfather still alive? Did you, were you? Oh yeah, I knew him very well. He he died when I he passed away when I was eighteen. And this is the legendary Gory Guerrero, right. father of Eddie and grandfather of Chavo. Right. What was he like? You know, I saw a really great guy. He was already older by the time I came around. You know, so he was, he's very, you know, very humble guy, very um, loving, so loving, very uh, God fearing man. Mm-hmm. You know, just a religious guy. And I didn't see the the butt kicker mm-hmm. that everybody knew. He, he, for some you know background on him, he supposedly was you know the toughest guy in in Mexican wrestling. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was just he. Back then, being the heel that he was, the Rudo, he would go up to the stands and I mean, and challenge people before his match, and he'd slap people, and, and people hated him so much so that they shot at him in the ring. Wow! They actually shot at him in the ring, and he he moved one time, and the lady got killed from wow. from, a, from a bullet. That's how much heat, you know. Really? Yeah, that's the truth. And like one time, this is just an example. I was a kid, and I I was watching TV or something at his house. You know, we were always there. And I remember seeing, you know, somebody on TV got stabbed. You know, it was like a, a show. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, man, getting stabbed. That must hurt. And my, my grandfather goes, no, not, not really. It doesn't really hurt too bad. I was, I was like, hold on. I couldn't f- grasp that yeah. this guy, he's, he's my grandpa. And he's telling me, no, getting stabbed is not really that big of a deal. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Well, how many times have you been stabbed? He's like, oh, I've been stabbed about seven times. And I was like, what? It's a no big deal. In gang fights or something? He's like, no, and not in gang fights. Literally, just walking down the streets and people hated him that much. They wow. had that they would attack much him heat. on the street. They'd attack him, and you know you could you can't beat him, mm-hmm. so they would try to stab him. 
and wow, it, yeah, amazing how how things have changed. You know, back then you could right. really honestly get killed for being Absolutely. such yeah. a hated yeah. heel. Yeah, you know, I remember when, like actually I had the tail end of it in two thousand and eight when I was the heel with the suit and tie. I got attacked a couple times. Right, one time in Victoria yeah. where there was a big brouhaha going on. But people used to get so angry. But I can just imagine back in those days because they didn't know there was no internet or stewed sheets or dirt sheets. People believe they really, really believe that they want you know that these guys were just as, as hated as they were, and and they were my family especially was so good at getting mm-hmm. heat like that that they would have to literally fight their way back to the dressing room with chairs and stuff because the crowd would turn on them. And there's no security back then. There's no you know cops and you know the security guards at the ring. It just was them against the yeah. fans. No barricades, and they would have to sneak out the windows of get- of, of, the, of the of the the dressing rooms to get to get out because people would. You know, they, if they knew what car you drove, they would kill you know key your car and destroy your car, and it was it was great. Actually, a pretty incredible time. You know, they believed it. So when you grew up uh, in California, and then you got, did your father train you when you got in the business? Yeah, yeah, he trained me for sure. Michael Mondo had a big deal. Oh, okay, because he was actually had a school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael Mondo for sure. My um, my real training, what tra- my hands on was you know living with Eddie and and going to WCW. Because you came into WCW pretty early in your career, right? You I, hadn't wrestled much. I probably only had ten matches. See, but you had. The, the instincts just from growing up in the family. Yeah, I could always do all the moves. I didn't know why I was yeah. doing them. You know what I mean? But I, I could do them as long as I had somebody that would kind of tell me why I was doing them. But, mm-hmm. you know, I grew up with a wrestling ring, so I could always do backflips and hurricanranas and, and all that kind of stuff. But I just didn't know why I was doing them. Right, where to put them. Yeah, sure. Well, like I said, right from the start in WCW, when I got there, you had some good skills. And then you you started, much like Eddie and much like all of us, when you started figuring out your personality. I mean, you're, right. you're a totally charismatic, funny guy. But when you first start, you don't know what the hell's going on. It's kind of like right. it's all of us. Yeah. When you started kind of opening the door, and they, I, th- I felt that Terry Taylor was really good for, for our, our gang. He understood a little bit more about what we could bring to the table than Sullivan did, Kevin Sullivan, who was the booker when I started see, there. See, you see a different story, a different side of Terry. I went, and this is the, how I grew up in the business. You know, you grew up coming in, you know, fr- first of all, I don't know how somebody comes, gets into wrestling without growing up in it because it's such an art form. It's mm-hmm, so hard to mm-hmm. learn, you know, for you guys to learn on, you know, by yourselves, really, mm-hmm. no one really teaching you. That's pretty incredible. But with me, I came in and I got, Two kinds of, of the guys had been around for a long time. There's two of two kinds that, that that were there. There were the kinds that were my dad's, my family's friends, that would take care of me, and there was the guys that really didn't like my family that would try to bury take me. it out on you. And Terry was one of those guys. You know, I remember this guy. He was trying to help me, but he wouldn't. You know, I, I, hmm. this is here's a story. So my. Um, this is why you know I didn't get liked a lot. You know, I had I had, <laughs> I had a lot of uh, a lot of uh, bridges to, to yeah, cross. You yeah. know, so. My uh, my dad and my uncle Hector are wrestling for uh, Bill Watts, mm-hmm. in uh, they were in Houston at the time, and Terry was the helping booking. You know, mm-hmm. Terry, Terry was the helping booking. Well, he told my uh, uncle Hector and my, my my dad like, "Hey, you guys have to, um, you know, do a job. Somebody you guys have to lose to somebody." And they're right. like, "No, nah, we're not going to. Yeah, 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 we're not going to do that." And Terry's like, "You have to." He said, oh, well, we're not going to do that. that. That's stupid. We're not going to do that. Tell us why. Well, because I said, <laughs> and my dad and, and and Hector are like, "Well, you." Who are you? What do you mean? You're your assistant booker and you're going to tell us? They're like, well, Terry goes, if you don't do it, you're fired. So they're like, all right. Hey, guys. To the whole, and he did, this is right in front of you know all the boys in the locker room. Said, okay, I guess Terry said we're fired. Okay, we'll see you guys later. So they walked out. They call up Bill, Bill Watts, the, the, the booker, the owner the of the boss. company, the boss, and goes, hey, uh, Terry just fired us. 
And Bill's like, you guys aren't fired. Terry can't fire. Just come back tomorrow. Okay, so my dad and Hector come come back the next day. And in front of, you know, the boys and Terry's there and everybody, they start doing the dance. Like, uh, hey, guys, we're back. Terry can't fire us. And they're going back and forth, back and forth to each other. Like, ring, ring around the rosary. Yeah, 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 we're not fired. You have no, you have no power. You're not the booker. You're not as big as you think you are. So no wonder the guy hated me. You know what yeah, right. I mean? I, mean, I was just chance. some kid walking in. I was just this young guy, uh, you know. Like they will take it out on him Yeah, now. but I saw it, you know, time and time again. I got the guys that took care of me, that really looked out for me, like Tonga and, mm-hmm. you know. Um, Haku. Haku, yeah. Um, and all those kind of guys. You know that that you know Stan Hansen and all those guys that were were you know this huge in the business mm-hmm. that took care of me and then I saw the guys that you know that, that would want to bury me and would kill me. Yeah. It's, I remember when Bret Hart came into WCW, Terry came in one day and was giving him a finish or something. And yeah. when he left the room, Bret was kind of sitting there like confused. And he's like, "Wait a second." You mean to tell me the Red Rooster is calling the shots now? Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> but and nothing, I mean, <laughs> and nothing against Terry. Terry. No, no, Terry, no, good guy. Yeah, good, good guy. guy. Get along with this. Is just a story we're telling in there. Sure, you know, of course. Good I mean, guy, you know, and, and I, yeah. you know, I can see why sure. that animosity become the sins sure. of the father, right? Absolutely. You man. know, and especially when, like we were talking about, I, I didn't finish my thought about the Indian caste system. We were with, in our gang, and it was almost like high school. If you sat down in catering with somebody like the Hogan's, yeah. they would almost like get up and walk away. So it was, you, would. we were really they on would. our own. There yeah. wasn't like a, a group of veterans. Right. I remember like Arn was was pretty cool and Jimmy Hart was cool, yeah. but that's about it yeah. from, from what I can remember yeah. as far as the yeah. guys that would actually help you there. Kurt yeah. Henning, yeah. So we got we saw what was cool. We saw the, the Hennings, the Nords, and all those guys. They didn't they didn't believe in the hype. They just wanted to hang out and party with you. Yeah, and, you know, right. we we could bring in the young bitches. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so so they wanted us to bring in the young chicks and hang out with us. You know, and take and us out and hang out with us. How how crazy was that? We would film, there was a show called WCW Worldwide, yeah, yeah. and we would film it uh, probably once every four months for two weeks in Orlando, so we'd be there for, for two weeks straight, and it wouldn't be any of the top guys, it would just be all the guys like us, and the right. Armstrongs, and the Regals, right. and you know whoever, all the kind of like the guys that would show up for Worldwide, and it was right in Disney, and there was a place called uh, Downtown Disney, yeah. Pleasure Island, yeah, and great. we used to go eight there, tracks. eight tracks, we used to go there every night, and stay all night. And then you would go the next day and have to you had, work. You had to be at work. Our, our, we had to be at work at 9 o'clock in the morning. Our tapings were like, you know, from 11 till 2 or whatever. They did like three shows, four shows. And then we'd all leave, go work out, and then go out again at night. That's we right. did that for two or three straight nights or two or three two straight weeks. weeks. And if you watched Worldwide, if yeah. you were a fan of that in the 90s, yeah. 50 to 60% of the guys you saw on TV were either hungover or still drunk. Oh, yeah. yeah including <laughs> us. Hey, a lot, lot of fun. I mean, we this that, growing up in that time, there was no time been resting like that especially for us just yeah. hanging out with you know the new guys the guys that have been there a while and the older some of the older guys that, that were you know that we'd seen growing up and now yeah. we're hanging out with them well the roster was so big yeah. too like we said like for the worldwide tapings there would be a hundred guys there yeah and you'd see them i remember lanny poffel worked in wcw for a year and a half and i never saw him once never saw him, never saw him. and horace boulder was another one there was guys when we did the, that those pay-per-views remember the world world war three yes world war three 60 were, guys no it's 90 guys it 90 three, guys three right. ba- three rings and it was 30 men in each ring a battle royal yeah and there were still guys on the roster that didn't make the show that's right that's right 90, still guys 90 not including the other matches there was what like 150 guys <laughs> in a concert that no wonder they went under about a business guys like you know, like Bobby Blaze, Lenny Lane, the Colorado kid. Like you'd never even see these guys, yeah. and they were in, in yeah. there making the gambler, gambler. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, all cool guys, man. I remember we'd party with those guys like crazy. We see those guys; they're still some of our boys, you know. Yeah, it's just like they had so many people on the contract. It was weird. It was funny too. I remember when you started. Can we talk about your personality when the whole Pepe thing started? Yeah. Pepe was your. That's that's what happened. Eddie Guerrero is my favorite wrestler. Then it kind of made you go nuts, right? I went crazy. Yeah, yeah. And then we went to to. 
that's another thing that I get asked about all the time is Pepe, Pepe. Yeah. So um, we went to Eddie's house for a little barbecue, and you know, Fit Finley was there, and you know, Benoit and other people, Dave Taylor and Taylor, Regal, yeah, 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 yeah. So you know, we're all hanging out there with a barbecue, and and I was going kind of crazy at the time, and. His kids come out with this stick horse, like riding it around, and we're like, "Oh, cool! Hey, hey, you know what? We were in Tampa the next day, and that's where Eddie lived. So I go, you know what? Let me borrow that. I'm going to come out to the ring with this thing, and uh, <laughs> and they're like, "Yeah, that's that'll be good. You're kind of going crazy, okay?" So I did it, and then the next week I didn't come out with it, and there was all no joke. There was all these Pepe signs and you know, stick horses and stuff, and I was like, "Oh, damn!" Now I. <laughs> And everybody's like, well, I guess you got to ride the stick horse all the time. I'm like, are you, are you kidding me? It's amazing. I just ribbed over. myself. Yeah. <laughs> I ribbed myself. And so I had a word that I had to use this, this stick horse all the time. Remember the story with us? This is, this is great. We were working each other. I don't know. It seemed like every week. Yeah. yeah. And was, I was, yeah, I was right. a heel and you were a baby face. Yeah, yeah, you were yeah. cra- crazy. Chavo yeah, got yeah, over yeah, as, yeah. as baby and yeah, Pepe was yeah, over, yeah, like yeah, you said. Yeah. And they were, had, had us work. The same match, same every, match. and it was like, it was the yeah. same finish. Yeah, yeah. I would beat yeah, you yeah, yeah. with with the lion I know, tamer. I know how many times did I be, you beat me, like like a hundred, and making the baby face tap out. Like I'm yeah. the heel. How yeah. does that help me? And yeah, nobody. Yeah. And here's the thing too. Yeah. This thing. This is what is is crazy about WCW, is that in WWE there's a whole backstage area behind the curtain. Right. It's called the gorilla position. Yep. That's where Vince is. They're watching the show, monitoring everything. Yep. In WCW, there was a curtain and nothing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You have yeah. Jody Hamilton keeping uh, yeah. uh, time yeah. like thirty feet down from the from the, yeah. the rampway. Tell them, tell those guys to go home. Go home. Right? I said, tell those son of a go home. <laughs> you know, so right. Home. So so we're like we show up and we're in Fargo, and it's Chavo versus Chris, and Chris is over with the with the, with the submission. I'm like this this Again? this sucks. Yeah. yeah. So we went to Toys R Us. That's right. And we brought bought uh, a big aluminum baseball bat. Okay, first of all, you can never, ever do this in WWE. Just, never. Do, just book your own stuff and just do your own stuff. We just went, okay, we're going to do something different. So we went and bought a big aluminum baseball bat and another Pepe. And a big horse head. Yeah, or yeah. another Pepe, yeah. yeah. And taped it to the baseball bat, right? Taped it to the baseball bat and put them underneath the ring. We went back to the Fargo Dome and we, and we went and snuck it underneath the ring. And once again, nobody knows we're doing this. Yeah. We didn't tell anybody. Nobody yeah. knew. Nobody cares. Yeah. We do the match. Yep. And I beat you. Yeah, I think you did beat me, didn't you? I think I don't know if you did. You know, I think, oh no, I think you know what? You think you were about ready to? You threw me out of the ring, and then you broke Pepe. Or yeah, you, that was it. Yeah, okay. I said to Terry, "What are we going to do different?" He goes, "We'll break Pepe." Okay, so I'm going to beat the baby face, yeah. have him submit clean, yeah. and break his gimmick. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we're like, my okay. stick horse yeah, gimmick. Stick horse. <laughs> All right, so we did that. I broke the, the broke Pepe. Yeah. Chavo goes under the ring and grabs. Pepe's older brother, yeah. Jose. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was a big, giant aluminum baseball bat yeah. with a horse head on it. And came in, and then Jer- Chris turns around, and I nailed him across the chest. Wham! Boom. And then rolled around in the stick horse. On Jose. On the, so Jose. And then the next week, I don't know if you remember, the next week, they did a recap of last week, <laughs> the next week on SmackDown, or like the previews for, you know, what's coming up this week. They did a preview, or like a recap from the last week, and it says, and that made the recap. Chavo killed Jericho. And it shows me hitting him with, with this big old baseball bat and then riding around the ring. And, of course, they didn't do anything with it, but it was just like, that's what well, happened But, but the thing week. is, nobody knew. Yeah. We came back. Nobody said a word. Uh, no one made any comments. Yeah. We literally went and yeah. built our own prop and hit it under the ring yeah. and used it. Yeah. 
and nobody said a thing. Can you imagine doing oh, that in the WWE? You would be fired on the spot. On the spot. Vince would run down to the ring and, yeah. and, and, and punch you in the face I during the match. I can imagine Vince at the gorilla position with, with his... Uh, with glasses. His, his glasses and them coming down and looking at the agent like Dean. Did, <laughs> what you, is this, did Dean? you tell him to do this? <laughs> yeah. What do you mean you don't know about this, Dean? When, when, when Vince gets mad, he, he'll pull his bifocals down and stare at you just with his eyes. Yeah. Dean, you didn't know about this? He probably would have fired the agent too. Oh, everybody. And you know, fired the, the, the guys at the, who set up the ring yeah. for not checking underneath the ring for, for a prop. Right. But that's, I mean, that's just how it was. WCW, yeah. it, was, it was living in, in kind of the Wild West it and was. doing what you could. Yeah. And that's why yeah. we stuck together as our gang right. with Eddie, Chris, Dean, right. Right. You, you, and me. And I want to talk more about that and talk about, about Chris and Eddie. You were, you were with them basically towards the last few days, last day even right. Right. For sure. of, 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 of their lives. And, and you know, I, that's why I wanted to talk to you about it because you were like, you know, you understood more than anybody what Chris and Eddie were all about. Sure. And great guys. We love them very much. I love this guy right here. This is Chavo Guerrero, my, my, my buddy. Yeah, man. P- Una Pincha Ghost. Pincha Ghost. The Pincha <laughs> Ghost story. That was awesome. You want to tell my story real quick? Yeah, tell it. Okay, real quick. So we're in Japan, Chris and I, and we're with uh, like a few other people like uh, Dr. Wagner Jr. and Scorpio Jr. And you know, there's, and when you go to Japan and wrestle on the Japanese tour, there's uh, like three or four or five gaijings, the, the foreigners. You know, So we all kind of hang out together and stuff. So you know, Chris, traveling everywhere, he, he, can, uh, you know, he can speak a lot of languages. He can speak Japanese pretty well and write Japanese and speak very good Spanish. So we're talking to one of the Mexican wrestlers, Scorpio Jr. Yeah. And we're at drinking sushi or something like this. Drinking sake. At, yeah, yeah, drinking sake. You know, we're all just hanging out at the after party. Because you're on tour for like three weeks. Yeah. And you're working every night. And you, you, you really band together as, as friends, you know. And um, especially people you don't even know. You just, you just, you're just you with each other 24-7 that you're, you're just, you know, you hang out all the yeah, time. Yeah, your family. So then um, we're talking and there, we're in this hotel that was supposedly haunted. <laughs> And uh, we're trying to explain to Scorpio Jr. who's Mexican. You're trying to explain. We're we're trying to explain. No, we were all trying to explain to Scorpio Jr. who is Mexican. Pure Mexican. Doesn't speak a word of English. Any English. And we're trying to tell him that there's, you know, there's, it's haunted in there, in in this supposedly this little small hotel. So Chris is trying to tell him, hey, man, so there's a. Phantasm or something. There's, you know, there's a ghost in here and he's speaking in Spanish, but he doesn't know the word for ghost. And sure enough, I come in, you know, the the Latino guys. Oh, hey, don't worry, Chris. Let, let me take this. The Chino. So I go, hey, hey, wait. And I'm saying, I'm talking. The same thing that Chris just said in, in, in the it, hotel. In, in, in the hotel, I, I want uh, I want a peachy ghost. <laughs> so instead of saying, hey, there's this, you know, Fantasma or whatever, you know, Casper or whatever. I said, yeah, the same thing he just said. There's this ghost. Yeah. Yeah. Let me take this. Let me, take let me this. explain it, ghost it, to and him. And that's the hotel and a pinch of ghost. And pinch is kind of like slang. So that's what you yeah. added to it. Yeah. yeah the guy's yeah, still yeah. staring at us. Yeah. He's what still staring at yeah, ghost. Do you, remember, do you remember the orange? I remember you looked at me like, like, I just said that's that. That's what to I him. said. Oh, because you're Spanish. Yeah, yeah, you get yeah, it. Yeah, he get it. See, you I said you live it. in California your whole life. Yeah, I speak better Spanish yeah, exactly, than you. Exactly. Do you exactly. remember the orange? Yeah, we used to pass it back and forth. We had this, this stupid orange in Japan that I drew a face on, and it, this is what you do when you're on the road for like weeks. You get start getting stir crazy. It would just be a, a game to see how you could put the orange into the other guy's bag without the guy noticing. You, yeah, you snuck it in my bag first. Like we were looking at the stupid orange. I don't know. I think you put yeah. a face on it, and next thing you know, I, I get home or I get to my hotel room, and the the orange is in my bag. Yeah. So I was like, oh, you got me. Okay, okay. So like, the next night, and this was not even planned. The next night, we were in some other town, and I snuck the orange back into his bag. That's right, yeah. But you couldn't, he couldn't find it. If you would have found it that day, so you got to wait till the end of the night yeah. to do it. So if he would have found it, he would have put it back in my, in my bag. So he snuck, I snuck it back in his bag. 
and then vice versa, vice versa. We went, what, months? Well, yeah, it, it lasted through a few tours. It started getting all dry and dry, hard. Yeah, yeah. It and looked like a tennis ball. Do you, remember, do you remember when you came to drop it off in my room? No, I don't remember There was that. a girl there? Uh-uh. <laughs> Some like, naked girl answered the door, and you gave her the orange. I'm sure an extremely hot naked. This girl was so, this girl was a twelve. She was so she was hot. she was yeah she was part of the Swedish yeah. uh, Swedish fo- uh, soccer team. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I knocked yeah, knocked the door right and gave hey hey give this to Chris he left this <laughs> yeah. what yeah, yeah. so then, then then I got you with <laughs> so this naked girl I couldn't what happened this incredibly hot naked girl comes and knocks it and goes hey this is yours. No, you get you came yeah, to drop. Is that what happened? I, I don't gave remember. it to her, right? Yeah, I mean, you gave it to her, and she, when I came back, she gave me this orange that yeah. you had dropped off. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back with more talk as Jericho and more Chavo Guerrero after a few words from our amazing sponsors. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Talk is talk is talk is Jericho. Welcome back to Talk is Jericho. I'm here with my my bro, Chavo Guerrero. Amazing, amazing history that we've had. We've known each other for, man, it's almost 20 years now, 18 about, years, yeah, 18 about, years. Yeah. Traveled how the roads. That, how can that be? Because we're only 21 years old. I know, old. it's crazy. At least in our heads we are. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, spent so much time together on the road, not just in WCW, but also in WWE as well. Yeah. And then suddenly the, the eight-passenger van, six-passenger van went down to, to the four of us, uh, five of us, you, me, Dean, yeah. Eddie, and Chris. Yeah. And then I think we ended up on different shows, yeah. and you went through this amazing phase with it was it was you and, and Eddie were a tag team, yep. and you would work against Chris and Edge or Chris and Rey Mysterio Chris and, Chris or and Angle. Angle, yeah. It was like the six of you guys, and I talked about this with Edge for SmackDown in the summer of 2003 or four, whatever it was. And every match was just a classic match. You know, yeah, it was just start, a great time. Calling us a SmackDown Six. Yeah, yeah, that was that was fun. I mean, and you and Eddie had great chemistry at that point. You'd yeah. come into your own right. uh, as heels or as baby faces, kind of as riding in the Lolos yeah. and yeah. and all that sort of thing. Uh, you know, and, and then basically, were you guys working together when Eddie passed away, or was he already kind no, of on his no, own? No, no, he had already been the heavyweight champion, and uh, we were. You know, we had already, I already turned on him, and I was yeah, doing yeah. the cruiserweight thing. You know, so how did you feel when he became the champion? Well, our dream as kids were we never pretended we were the heavyweight champions of the world. We always pretended we were the tag team champions of the world. We would get my dad's and my uncle's, you know, tag team belts and mm-hmm. wear them around the house as kids and pretend, you know, in the backyard ring that we were the champions and stuff. So that was our goal was to be the world tag team champions, and we achieved that in. You know, 2002 at a Survivor Series, and we won it all place in Madison Square Garden and became the, you know, mm-hmm. the WWE Tag Team Champions. So after you do that goal, you have to make new goals. Mm-hmm. So we really made the goals to be both heavyweight champions. So when that actually, you know, you got to understand, this is a, a big man's business. It really is. This is a big Caucasian yes. man's business. Mm. It really is. And for us to be two short small brown guys <laughs> you know being their heavyweight champions it's it's you know it's a big um, step and it's a it's a big lofty goal mm-hmm. to set for oneself so for Eddie to achieve that man it's like we all did it's like mm-hmm. every guy under 6 foot you know 200 pounds became the champion 
Mm-hmm. It really was. And for me, I was just so happy for him. You know, I mean, that night, um, I think I won the Cruiserweight Championship. It was at Cow Palace. I, won, I beat Rey Mysterio for the Cruiserweight oh. Championship. But we and Eddie were still feuding. So when he won the Heavyweight Championship from Brock Lesnar, from Brock Lesnar he walked back through, through the curtain and everybody's congratulating, congratulating him. And all the cameras are on him. And I wanted so much to go up to him. I just, I just couldn't because yeah. of the storyline. We really, we, you know, we really stuck true to those storylines. We wouldn't ride together or nothing. We wouldn't even really kind of talk to each other at the shows. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, but when we got in the dressing room, man, I hugged him. And it was so, it was just, man, it was elated for mm-hmm. him. And then the very next night, I believe in Fresno or San Jose, they challenged him for, the, for his heavyweight championship. I was the cruiserweight champion. I came out saying, hey, <laughs> you know what? I won the cruiserweight champion and nobody, no, I, nobody cared. But now you win the cruiserweight championship, and I mean, you win your heavyweight championship, and there's a, you know, a freaking parade, and you get, yeah, yeah. you know, you get, you were glitter. like the jealous, yeah, yeah, younger yeah, brother, yeah, yeah, exactly, you know, which played perfectly into the, you know, into, into the, the story, the, yeah, yeah. The story, you know, but <laughs> I, we were just so so happy for him, man. And was he uh, was he in, in starting to feel a lot of pain at that point in time? You know what? He felt the weight of the company oh, on his shoulders, absolutely. and that's Eddie. Always, it was very absolutely. hard for him. He wore his heart on his sleeve, no matter what. If he loved you, he would literally take his shoes off of his feet and give them to you. Mm-hmm. And I, and this is no joke. I've seen him do it. Mm-hmm. I saw him do it and give somebody that didn't have shoes gave him his workout shoes. Here you go. Mm-hmm. I'm not kidding you. Mm-hmm. But if he hated you, if he didn't mm-hmm. like you, you knew it too. There was no, you yeah. know, there was no. Pretending he didn't, um, he wasn't fake. He wasn't fake at all. If you did, if he didn't like you, he just you'd know that too. Well, you know, he felt the weight of the world on his shoulders. You know, if you're the heavyweight champion of the of WWE of any company, really, you're there because you're the ones putting the butts in the seats, the asses in the seats, as we call it. Mm-hmm. You are the the main guy in the comp in the mm-hmm. company to draw the most money, and that's typically how it's been. You know, and. So Eddie really felt that. We're old school. You know, that's the way it was forever. Your your biggest drawer was your champ. Now, you know, it may not be that way at times. Um, but, you know, it he, really was. And he felt that. He, he felt he, it. he would feel like, I remember, if if, if the houses were down, yes. if, if you went to, like, you know, Chicago, and last right. time there was a $300,000 house, and yeah. this time there was a two eighty five. Right. Eddie would take that personally and think it was him, and he was the reason yeah. why, and he would get really down about that. Yeah, I'd t- and I, w- I would have talks with him and say, dude, this is not it's not 15 years ago. It's not the company based around one right. guy anymore. It's the name brand. It's, it's not you know Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant on the marquee anymore. It's WWE. On, yes. the, on the marquee, it's you know Vince was smart enough to change that and make it about the company, not about two guys. Yes, and I told Eddie that it's it's not just you anymore. You're not you may be you know quarterback and they may try to give you the ball, but you know they're not letting you just just run straight with it and and, and go to town. So you got to give it time. You just became champion. Mm-hmm. You have to give it time for those numbers to come up. He man, he felt it very, very much. He saw it. He was a real sensitive guy. Absolutely. You know, he like I remember one time there was one guy in the crowd that said Eddie sucks, and you know, yeah. there's always going to be those guys. And he right. was he was the baby face at the time, and the guy was given. I remember he grabbed the mic and he was like, "You shut your mouth. I don't care what you think. You think I suck?" You and it's like, dude, it's one guy yeah. at a ten thousand. Yeah. Don't even listen to him. Yeah. Yeah. No, screw that guy. F that guy. He's yeah. in my face, man. He, he he really got so excited I, and so overwhelmed by these things, bro. I remember one time we we were in Canada and it was uh, us, the Guerreros, los los Guerreros against <laughs> against uh, the Basham brothers. Uh-huh. And I was in the ring selling against one of the other Bashams, and Eddie was outside. They were fighting with one somebody else. So I'm in the ring where all the the action is, where everybody's watching, and it was 
it was quiet and all of a sudden I hear a big eruption and I'm like what what the heck's going on there shouldn't be this eruption right now people shouldn't be going crazy I look outside and I see Eddie he's chasing some guy some guy in the crowd he's chasing the guy going up and I was like what's going on what's going on so then as I get out there Eddie's like the guy I was out there selling and some guy poured some guy poured beer on him mm-hmm. I, when he was on the ground the guy looked kind of looked at his friend kind of like shook his like his shoulders shrugged his shoulders and poured beer on Eddie well Eddie is a recovering alcoholic oh. so Eddie chased the guy down and then he came back he grabbed the mic and he, he he looked at the people and said, I'm very sorry. This is in front of the, in the match, in the middle of the match. He grabbed the mic and said, I'm very sorry. That was wrong. I'm a Christian. I shouldn't have done that. Wow. But I'm also a recovering alcoholic. And it, it was a, he threw, just threw it in my face and dropped beer all over me. Yeah. And he goes, that was like just a c- complete insult. I should have never got out of character. Mm-hmm. And it's just in the middle of the match. Right, right, right. And right when that happened, I'm like, how do we get this back? How do we get this match back? I looked at the Bashams and I go, jump us. Jump mm-hmm, us. Mm-hmm, I can't whisper mm-hmm. to them. And they jumped us and whoa, we had the heat right there again and just went right back in the match. It was perfect. But that's the kind of guy he was. And it's like you said too, he had so many issues over the years with, with alcohol and with, with pills and yeah. stuff. And he you know, I was in the dressing room when, when they carted him out and took him straight to rehab in right. Minneapolis when right. he fell asleep. Right. Finally, he had gotten over that, at least as far as, as I knew. I mean, I don't know. He was. You oh, know, yeah. It seemed like he was pretty legit, clean, and, and sober. Four, four years sober, bro. Four years sober. When he died, yeah. And then he, he passed away from yeah. enlarged heart. Well, yeah, enlarged heart, heart. Heart failure at 38 years old. Do you think that's because of all the, the, the drugs that caught up to Absolutely. him? Absolutely. They say, you know, because of the. You've seen it time and time again. In this business, the worst drugs, and I don't care what they are, it's not, you know, Steroids. It's not alcohol. It's not cocaine. It's not marijuana. The worst things are the pills. Mm-hmm. You see, everybody that we know that have died, yeah. has been from those pills. That's true. Yeah, they, you know, and you know, it's it's a quick release. We're, we're we're hurt. It's easy for us to you know, it's easy to us to justify using that because you really, if anybody needs them, you know, we need them. We yeah. need a Vicodin. We need this. But then it's so easy to start abusing that stuff, and that's where you know that was Eddie's vice. So you know he fought every day to stay off those you know he really did but they say with you know vicodins and somas and all that stuff was that it gives a lot of scar tissue on your heart mm. because you abuse them so much and you know, we've seen it with umaga and so many different people who died from heart failure and heart troubles and because of yeah. those pills yeah. you know so um that's kind of what happened to him you know and, and the story really he and i were i didn't we, we were flying to minneapolis we were all home. This is the first day of the tour, and we were going to Europe. Was it a pay-per-view in Minneapolis? It was, no, it, w- it was a, a dual show, like a SmackDown and Raw. Oh, because you're going to Europe. Yeah, yeah, uh, doing both shows in Minneapolis, and then we we're going to go straight to Europe. So uh, everybody was there. So um, I get in the plane. He, Eddie had already moved, had already moved to Phoenix. Mm-hmm. So I get on the plane, and uh, I'm in coach, and he's you know he's in first class. Well, I, I, I get on and I'm in coach. The door's getting ready to close. And I see Eddie, you know, he was always the last one. He was on Mexican time always, you know. And I say Sh- that. Shoulders, shoulders slumped. Yeah, yeah. And I say that with all, you know, due yeah, respect. Yeah, of course. Everybody knows yeah, Mexican, Mexican time, time. what Mexican time is. Yeah. So he runs on the plane. And the, I mean, right before the door's closed. And he gets on. And I go, hey. And he goes, hey, what's up, man? I didn't know you were going to be on this plane. So he gives up his first class seat and comes back with me. So mm-hmm. we hung out and stayed together. It was like just a treat, you know, it really was to sit mm-hmm. next to each other. And we were on different shows at the time, so we didn't see each other all that much. Right. So we sat next to each other and we were watching a movie, you know, and um, he looks at me and, and he's talking and stuff and he kind of he kind of nods off as he's talking to me. I say, oh, man, he's really tired, you know. 
And then he kind of wakes up and like, oh, hey, you know, and kind of goes, we went and watching a movie together and we get to Minneapolis. I didn't think anything of it. We get to Minneapolis and um, um, we go to check in at one of the, like the, the Marriott. Yeah, the, the one by right the by airport. The, right by the Target Center. No, the one by the Target Center. Oh, okay. That everybody was staying at. So we go there and, you know, I was like, hey, man, we used to room together, you know, all the time. And we decided, hey, you know, we'll just get our own rooms. Okay, no problem. So we're checking in and... Um, as we're as we're there, we see Michael Hayes. Michael Hayes comes up to us, and uh, he's he's not Michael Hayes anymore. He's Freebird. Mm. He's a Freebird. He's been drinking, yeah. and hanging out. You he's know, the beer wolf. Yeah, yeah. And he, <laughs> and he kind of um, mad dogs Eddie, you know. And I didn't really notice it, but you know, Eddie, what do you mean, mad dog? mad dogs? He kind of stared him down. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Stared him down, but you know, I didn't really notice it. And Eddie didn't. Eddie after um, um, Michael leaves, goes back to the bar. Eddie stops and looks at me. and Goes, did you see what that? mofo did so what do you mean yeah he, he's staring at me i'm like like staring at you staring at you like he's like yeah he, eddie's pissed and i said all right what do you want to do you gonna go beat him up because we were just you know if he's gonna get a fight i'm gonna get in a fight and right. vice versa right, 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 right. so he's like nah we'll give him a pass i said okay so we get literally gave him a pass so the night before eddie died really i mean michael hayes didn't know how close he was to getting beat up hmm. i'm not literally we were gonna go in there and drag him out beat him up so um we said okay hey man well let's um why don't we, you know, go work out in the morning? And just as we got there, we see Chris Benoit, mm-hmm. and and Benoit goes, "Hey man, what's up, guys? Hey, we're going to bed, but we're going to train, eight a.m. Let's meet down for 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 breakfast, eight a.m. We'll go train before the show. We always did, and uh, then we're going to go to Target Center. Okay, great, no problem. So uh, I go to my room. Eddie goes to his room. Well, then I get a call from Eddie, my cell phone. He says, "Hey man, can can I talk to you?" And I say, "Yeah, what's going on, man?" And he goes, "I." I I just really got, I got to talk to you. I said, okay, hold on. Let me run downstairs real quick. You know, let me, let me take care of some stuff downstairs. I don't know if I was, you know, getting an extra key or whatever I was doing. So I went downstairs and then, uh, I call Eddie to his room, you know, five, eight minutes later. And I go, Hey man, uh, you want to talk? And he goes, nah, I'm okay. I'm cool. Hmm. And I said, are you sure? Let's talk. And he goes, nah, I, I'm, I'm cool, man. I'm okay. I'm like, I'm bro. I'm here. He's like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm good. I said, all right, man. Well, I'll see you in the morning. We'll go work out. Okay, cool. No problem. You know, I think I had a beer. Then uh, went to bed. I was going to wake up and go work out. At 7 a.m., I got a um, a call from one of the security guards in the hotel. He says, Chavo. Yeah, hey, this is security in, in the hotel. I'm like, all right. Well, why are you calling me? He goes, well, your, your uncle is, um, I, guess, I don't know how he knew we were there or I was there. He wasn't there last that night, I guess. Mm-hmm. The word got around, whatever, and he goes, um, "Your uncle's passed out." I said, "Passed out?" He goes, "Yeah, he's passed out in the bathroom." And I'm thinking, "The bathroom did?" And we had just talked on the plane that Eddie was sober for four years. Mm-hmm. So I was like, "Passed out? Did he have a relapse?" Oh no! Come on, really? But also, how would the guy know it's seven in the morning? I right? was like, "How?" So he's passed out in the bathroom. I'm thinking he's passed out in the bathroom, and like in, in the like, lobby, in the or, lobby, yeah. or something like that. So I go, "Okay, I'll be right down." And the, the the security guard goes, no, I'll come up to your room. So he comes up to my room, and he comes and gets me. I'm still half out of it, you know, and we got in late last the mm-hmm. night before. So I'm coming down, and he takes me to Eddie's room. I said, what, is he, what, what do you mean his room? So I guess he explained to me that he'd missed, Eddie had missed a couple wake-up wake calls. Up calls yeah. So they went to knock on his door, and the latch was on his door. Mm-hmm. Well, they had, so whenever that happens, they're, they're, you know, knocking, 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 no answer, no answer, no answer. They cut the latch off. Mm. So as I open up, the latch is already cut off, and I and I walk in, and I see Eddie 
face down in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. He's face down. I mean, just like, and I, I looked at him kind of like still thinking, well, wait a minute. I'm still coming to my senses. And I'd seen Eddie passed out from, you know, drinking or pills or whatever it was, you know, 20 times in my life. Right. But of course, this was years and years before. Mm-hmm. So when I looked at him, I'm like, anybody else? I mean, if I would have seen, you know, just any random person, I'd be like, you're passed out. What the heck? You know, let me get him up. So I, I see Eddie's down. I'm like, okay, let me assess the situation. What's going on? So I, f- I put my hand by his, uh, by his nose and there's no breath, you know, but mm-hmm. I hear a couple gurgling noises. And then um, I go, this isn't right. I still feel, I'm feeling him. He's warm. You know, he's warm. He's not like, I'm like, okay, this isn't right. Let's pull him out. So I talked to the security guard and we pull him out and turn him around. And so as soon as I see his face, we turn around. I said, like, I start panicking. Okay, this really isn't right. Call 911 now. And so they're calling, you know, 911 and we're giving them, you know, uh, mouth to mouth CPR. CPR yeah. and, and, you know, I'm, I'm freaking out. I'm, I'm yelling at him going, Eddie. Stay with me, stay with me. Come on, Eddie, come on. Basically, you think he was still alive? He was still alive because wow. he was warm. Wow. And then uh, I saw him go from warm to cold. He died right there. Wow. Right there. And, you know, they called 911. The you know ambulance came. And, you know, they were giving him CPR and everything their way, you know, and they were just like, mm, he was, he's gone. And, oh and I was like, what if I would have got here, you know, yeah. an hour before? And usually we room together. Mm-hmm. We didn't room together. And um, they were like, no. They said he had, you know, something already. He would have been gone no matter what. I'm like, like, like what? Mm-hmm. So now I'm sitting here with my brother dying basically in my arms mm-hmm. going, uh, I was in shock. I was like in shock. And then I had to go back to my room and, and call people. I'm like, well, I didn't know who to call. Who, who did you call? I'm like, who do, who do I call? I think I called home. I'm freaking out. I'm like, oh my God. So I called Fit Finley. Like, Why Fit and not Dean or Chris? Well, I didn't want to wake up Chris. Fit was an agent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I oh, wanted him to get the room right. to you know what's going to on to Vince and everybody. I didn't. I don't have Vince's cell yeah. phone. You know, I'm not like you. I wasn't the champ. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes around and makes some, you know I guess some calls, and all of a sudden I'm in my hotel room, just sitting on the bed, like, like what the heck just happened? Mm-hmm. And then I get a call from from Chris Benoit. Goes, hey, where are you? I'm downstairs. We're supposed mm-hmm. to meet at eight o'clock to go work out and and eat breakfast. And I'm like, Chris sit down are you sitting down he goes yeah so i told chris and chris was like i never heard somebody wail like yeah. that like this deep deep yeah moan like oh like i just you know mm-hmm. punched him in the stomach and, and mm-hmm. stole his soul mm. that's what it felt like you know and i was like and he was he was yelling and screaming and it's just deep 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 oh, no 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 you know so and then from there i mean i had to go back to the room and then Vince McMahon and Triple H, Shawn Michaels came over and, you know, Vince is asking, what do I do? Do we go on with this show? And I was like, absolutely, you go on with this show. Mm-hmm. You don't cancel the show. Mm-hmm. I was like, um, yeah, you you go on with the show. I go, that's what Eddie would have wanted to do. He wouldn't want the, everybody here. And, and Eddie knew, we were always taught that you always have to, you know, give the people their money's worth, mm-hmm. no matter what. They're, they're there to see you. In this, you know, this economy, they don't have a lot of money and they're choosing to spend it on you. It's your obligation to give them their money's worth. Yeah. It really, really is. So I looked at Vince. I said, yeah, if you would, you cancel the show, then he'd, he'd be pissed. That's not what he, he wanted. Mm-hmm. So they went ahead and made a tribute show to Eddie, you know, and I mean, completely rewritten, you know, totally yeah. different. But then, uh, 
you know, that we had to deal with all that stuff and go to. Did you have to go to Europe or were you able to? No, do no. I so, so I went, so I went, yeah. you know, went, we did that show. They said, of course, Chavo, we don't, you, you can go home. I said, no, I want to wrestle. Mm-hmm. I was able to wrestle JBL, you know, and, and just. Another good friend of Eddie. Yeah, yeah. And that was just a great, great moment. But that night, who stayed behind from the, from the tour was just, was me, Chris, Benoit, Ray Mysterio, and Dean Malenko. Mm-hmm. They let us all stay behind and, and take care of some stuff. Everybody flew out that night. We went back to the hotel and we're like, well, let's get something to eat. So we're eating. It's a very somber moment. And um, Zach Wilde showed mm, up. So right. Zach comes up to us. Zach Wilde, the you know, guitarist for Ozzy Osbourne and Black Label Society, and good friend of yours. And I'd never met him. And he goes, hey, what's up, guys? I just want to say, hey, I'm, 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 you know, I'm Zach. I'm a friend of uh, Chris Jericho's and mm. Steve Austin's. And, blah, blah, and, and, and I'm not putting two and two together. I'm like, hey, man, what's up? How you doing? And we didn't necessarily blow him off, but we weren't very receptive. Yeah. So then he went back to the bar and did his own thing. And then um, the next time I saw Zach, I, just, I came up to him and go, man, hey, man, I just want to apologize. When I met you that first time, this Eddie had just passed that night and we were dealing with it. He's like, we didn't know until we got back to the bus, whatever. And, and the word went around yeah. and we're like, he was like, oh, don't even worry about it. No wonder you guys didn't, yeah, you know, yeah, were, yeah. were just kind of standoffish, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but, but Chavs, I mean, there's so much to talk about. We got to stop for this week. But next week, I want to hear uh, more about this and uh, talk about Chris Benoit. The the I know you were one of the guys that, that he was texting in the last few days of his life. Uh, I want to hear all about that. And I want to hear what you're doing these days, uh, Chavo, and also what your favorite match of all time is. A few more stories of us traveling together. So much more to talk about with Chavo Guerrero. This is Talk is Jericho. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better, too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Thanks to Chavo Guerrero. We'll have him back. But it's time to answer one of your questions as usual. And usually I take the questions on the Twitter. At Talk is Jericho. But today I decided to take a call instead. So, we have Kellen on the line. What's your question, my friend? How are you doing, Kellen? Doing good. How about you, Chris? I'm doing good, man. Where are you from? I'm from uh, Redlands, California. All the way from Cali. All right. What's your question, my man? Yeah, I was wondering, after listening to um, interviews with Edge and Bret Hart and how you guys have some good stories, Mm -hmm. um, why don't you guys ever try to become creative writers for WWE and work with them, considering... They kind of need help right now with their stories. That's a uh, that's a really good question, and I'll tell you. Like, first of all, for me personally, I think my uh, my ego is too big to be behind the scenes. <laughs> I like being in front of the camera. But I think another thing that a lot of people don't know is, is, I think a lot of times the creative writers take a lot of heat and get a lot of trouble for you know WB Creative needs help or WB Creative isn't good. But a lot of times, I mean, they're writing ideas and working nonstop, but those ideas get changed quite a bit because it all depends on what Vince McMahon wants to do. And if he feels that, that he needs a change in direction or if he feels that, you know, he could agree to something and then change his mind and change it again. 
So you could do a lot of long-term planning that gets changed constantly. So I think it's a very hard job to do. And it's also kind of really just flying by the seat of your pants and just holding on. And also the hours that they have to that they have to abide by are insane because Vince is busy. You know, Vince is late for meetings, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it's a pretty thankless job. And I give anybody that works in creative for an extended uh, amount of time a lot of credit. You know, guys there like Dave Kapoor and Brian Gewertz and Ed Kosky that have been there for 10 years plus. Those guys deserve a lot of credit because it's not an easy job. So I couldn't take it. I'd, I'd be too hot-headed. I'd be yelling at Vince, and I'd probably get fired in about a month. <laughs> yeah. All right, I, man. I was wondering about that. Thank you. Oh, thanks for your call. I appreciate you listening, and uh, thanks for calling in, man. See, there you go, all the way from California. That was a good way to end off Talk is Jericho. I might have to do more uh, live calls in the future. But thank you so much for listening today. We have Chavo Guerrero back, like I said. And also... Thanks for clicking on that Amazon banner every time you shop online. Remember, whenever you link to Amazon through my Talk is Jericho page, Amazon kicks back a little cash to the show so I can keep doing this for you for free. This is not cheap to do this show. I'm taking live calls. Do you know how much it costs to call long distance? It's expensive. So go to podcastone.com, click on Talk is Jericho, and then click on the Amazon banner. There's no hidden fees or charges. You don't have to do anything. Just make your normal purchases and help out Talk is Jericho. You still get the great Amazon prices and service. You just help me out in the process. Stay cool, stay hard, stay heavy, stay hungry. We'll see you soon. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Talk is Jericho. Don't forget, every Wednesday there's a brand new episode of Talk is Jericho at podcast1.com.